1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 14th, 2020. My name is Philip rossman I'm the expert in site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philip, RR, underscore ond On today's episode of Locked On Magic, I'm going to make the no duhest argument of all time, but one that probably still needs to be said. So we'll talk about that, plus some news coming out of the NBA on this day. We'll talk about all that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you, wherever you download podcasts for Locked On in the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here coming to Orlando no magic with excruciating detail. There's podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. The last dance is obviously front of mind, and this weekend will be the final two episodes looking at the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals with the Indiana Pacers, as well as the 1998 NBA Finals with the Utah Jazz. To get yourself prepared for all of those, check out Locked On Bulls, Locked On Jazz, and Locked On Pacers. It's really that simple. Plus, we talked all about that 1995 series and episode eight of The Last Dance on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic. So head back into our archives to get pretty much an hour-long conversation, me riffing Uh, On that 1995 team, we've done a lot of coverage of the 1995 series with the Chicago Bulls with Fox Sports Florida re-airing it two weeks ago as well. You can dive back into our archives and find episodes talking all about the Orlando Magic versus the Chicago Bulls in 1995 and a whole lot more. No matter what team you're interested in, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, or college, or baseball, or MLB, or whatever it is, you can find a Locked On podcast for you. To search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. There was a little bit of news that came out Wednesday in the NBA. Uh, Not anything terribly exciting, but still interesting and worth mentioning and highlighting here. The first, of course, the Orlando Magic training facility still has not opened, Um, uh, at least according to all reports. The Magic are still waiting to get tests back, test results back, from their players, um, they were given permission by Orange County, by Dr. Ralpino, who's the uh, head of the Orange County Health Department, um, to test asymptomatic players. So the NBA gave them permission to test asymptomatic players, and the team apparently went ahead and tested every single person that would be in the and the Advent Health training facility, um, just to just to see if anyone had tested positive. And you know, you've got the opportunity, obviously, to test. You might as well do it. And you might again, they were given permission to do it. They're not taking tests away from those who need it. They've been given permission to test everyone. You might as well do it to make sure no one is carrying the disease before you open back up. That seems to be the big holdup for the Magic in opening their training facility. And they decided to hold off another day or two just to make sure that everyone was given the okay and the green light to come on in and and begin kind of getting back to some work. As of this recording on Wednesday night, it, it does not appear the Magic opened their training facility on Wednesday. I saw I, you know, was, I followed some of the players on Instagram. Evan Fournier was still doing some workouts in his garage, uh, so it it does seem like uh, it does seem like uh, everyone is kind of taking their time. I, I will note this about Evan Fournier: he's been posting some workout videos on his Instagram, doing a lot of uh, kind of balance drills with his arms. So uh, it seems like that elbow is in pretty good shape at, at this point. Nonetheless, um, the Magic obviously being super cautious on this, as they should, uh, and they're waiting for the test results to come back. They're waiting for the kind of okay to come back to work and to get back into uh, get back into the training facility with everyone as healthy as they can be. Obviously, tests are just a snapshot in time, so the Magic training facility not yet fully open. The big news in the NBA on Wednesday, however, is a somewhat shocking one. I know when I saw this headline, my floor literally dropped, and I know a few people agreed on this too. Beginning in the 2021-2022 season, so after next season, whatever next season looks like, the NBA will be switching basketballs from Spalding to Wilson. If I'm not mistaken, if I know my basketball history well, Spalding was literally invented to provide basketball to so Dr. James Naismith and to the NBA to the early form, formation of the NBA. Spalding has, I'm pretty sure, been the official basketball of the NBA for its entire history. And while Wilson, uh, for, I've never used a Wilson ball, or if I have, it has been a very, very long time. I I own a Spalding Never Flat, you know, you know, and obviously uh, the kind of basketballs that we buy in the public. You know, the composite material are very different than the leather basketballs that the players play with. This is a major change. I, I don't care if Wilson is extremely well reviewed. Um, and and everyone loves it. You know, and I've seen some good reviews. I've seen a lot of people say that that Wilson makes the best basketballs. I have never played with Wilson basketball, so I don't I don't really know. This is still a major change that's gonna take major adjusting to. Recall back maybe 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago now, when the NBA changed their basketball to a composite material. It felt a little felty. I actually did touch one of those basketballs, and I I did not like it. And they, they sprung it on the league. They sprung it on the players very, very suddenly. And players nearly revolted. They hated that basketball. And the NBA actually scrapped the basketball midseason. It was a disaster changing off of that basketball. Take this other example too, when Coach Krzyzewski took over Team USA, he sent every player that was going to be on, I believe, the 2006 World Championship team, a molten basketball. The, the, the FIBA uses the brand molten. I believe that's its name. Don't you know? Maybe, not, maybe don't quote me on that one, but he sent them the FIBA basketball, and it's very, very different. It's a different material, it's a different composition. It is a very, very different field than what NBA players are used to and he wanted to make sure that they were prepared for it. Yes, these are the greatest athletes in the world, but they grow up or they play most of their professional careers using one type of basketball. And it takes a little while to break those basketballs in too. I mean, it's 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 not a roll them out and just play. These these are. This is a very precise piece of equipment that NBA players are used to using. And a change this this big, and this is a big change, A, it better have had the players' approval, the Players Association better have been involved in this, and making this decision, and helping the league make this decision. Or this could be a very, very big deal. This could be a very big dividing line for, for players. Now obviously, it's done. The NBA is using the Wilson basketball. It's going to be hard to go back to Spalding. So everyone's going to have to get used to this. But this is, I mean, I'm i am honestly still shocked. Spalding has always been the basketball for the NBA. And again, it's equipment. You can change a lot of things. But changing the very equipment, this is a fundamental thing of basketball, the basketball itself. We've all, I mean, think of it, think of it this way. We've all played basketball. Uh, you know, I you know, you go to the gym, you know, you go to elementary school gym even, and you have that big bag of basketballs and they all feel a little different. You know, there's that, maybe that indoor basketball, that indoor outdoor basketball, they all feel a little different. And you, you, you have your preference for which basketball you like. And when you don't get that basketball, you either throw it away, take a bad shot and try and get the rebound for the basketball you do like to shoot with. Now, obviously, these guys are pros. They're not playing with maybe rinky-dink basketballs that you get in elementary school. But it's that same deal. The feel of a Spalding basketball, I'm sure, is different than the feel of a basketball from another brand. They're best. They're NBA players. They will adjust. They will get used to it. They will find a way. They're too good not to. Um, you know, you go to college. Teams use different brands of basketballs. You know, one team might be using a Spalding basketball. Another team might be using a Nike basketball. Another team might be using a different brand of basketball. It's not like these players have never had to get used to a new basketball on the fly. But again, this is a big deal. This is something very, very fundamental about the game. And so, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens in 2021, in the 2022 season, when the new basketballs roll out. Um, You know, we might all have to buy... A new brand of basketball, and honestly, like I'm wondering what Spaulding's future is right now. If if they no longer are the official basketball of the NBA, I'm curious to see what led the NBA to make this change. I, again, I would hope the players were involved. Let's uh, let's circle back around though and talk about shooting as it pertains to this year's Orlando Magic here in just a moment. So this is the periodic episode where I make the most obvious and straightforward argument that anyone can make. Basketball is about making shots, right? I, 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 was, a, I was a reporter at Northwestern and plastered along the walls was just a simple slogan, make shots. In fact, by my senior year of college, that was what was on the student t-shirts, make shots. And, and the story that I heard was the coach at the time was approached by marketing and said, why don't we make our t-shirts and make shots? And, and, and his response was, help, that, that is the point of the game, I guess. To be sure, this Orlando Magic team is not known for its shooting. That is, in fact, probably its biggest weakness is they simply do not have the shot-making to get the defense's respect. They don't have the ability to force defenses to pay attention to them, and so everything offensively is a little bit of a struggle. And it's been sort of the greatest quagmire for this Magic team for a long, long time. They don't have elite drivers, and they really haven't. Even Victor Oladipo, when he was here, was not a great driver. And... They don't have, not just an elite driver, they don't have great shooting to loosen up the drivers and creators that they do have. And so what was surprising about the last 10 games before we went into the hiatus, the last 10 games after the All-Star break, was that the Magic had the best offense in the league. And there are a number of reasons for why this was the case. The Magic started to play with a much faster pace. They they were able to turn their stops into, into fast break points and fast break opportunities. Uh, I mean, even just beyond the number of possessions, they were moving a lot faster through their offense. Everyone seemed to click into place. DJ Augustine was healthy. The Magic had sort of a modicum of health again. Aaron Gordon was playing uh, at a much higher intensity. A lot of the things that the Magic had to do that they struggled to do throughout the season they started doing they started playing the way they always imagined they would play they were 6 and 4 modestly but modest but good record and they had the top offense in the league if, if anything the magic were more concerned about their defense but the problem throughout the whole season has always been their shooting for the entire season The Magic made 34.1% of their three-pointers, 25th in the league. They only made 10.9 three-point field goal attempts per game. Or field goals per game. 23rd in the league. Shot about, again, about 30 per game. A little bit more than 30 per game. 32 three-point field goal attempts per game is actually 19th in the league. Magic aren't a team that wholly relies on three-point shooting. But obviously in this league, in this day and age... Three point shooting creates so much for everyone else. And that's when everything clicked. After the All Star break, the Magic shot 36.3% from beyond the arc, up to 14th in the league. Again, top offense in the league, only 14th in three point percent field goal percentage. So shooting matters to an extent. Still only making 12.4 three point field goal, three pointers per game, up to 18th in the league and still only taking about 34 three-point field goal attempts per game. They're, they're essentially, just as they were at the end of last season, in the middle of the pack on three-point shooting, in, in every facet. And that's kind of all this team has to be if their defense is clicking, and obviously their offense was clicking in a different way. Three-point shooting is not the end-all, be-all for the team. But the Magic were doing something they hadn't been doing the entire season in those 10 games after the All-Star break. Because the pace was at, was was better, because the Magic were able to get more movement and create more ball movement and get to their offense quicker, they were able to get higher quality shots. And more importantly, with the higher quality shots they did get, they were making them when they weren't making them beforehand. Running through those numbers tells a very different story and a frustrating story about this offense. This season, the Magic shoot shoot 18.9 wide-open field goal attempts per game according to NBA.com's shot dashboard and player tracking stats. A wide-open shot is when the closest defender is 6 feet or more away. That is the 15th most in the league. So essentially, again, Magic, bottom-of-the-rung offensive team, but middle-of-the-pack in creating wide-open shot attempts. Even open shots, the Magic struggled. But... On wide-open shots, the Magic took 18.9 wide-open field goal attempts per game, but were just 28th in the league, shooting a 51.9% effective field goal percentage. They were missing shots. Even on open shots, where the closest defender is 4 to 6 feet away, the Magic struggled. They struggled to get these shots first off, which is a sign of some offensive problems. 18.6 field goal attempts per game on open shots, 28th in the league, They only made 45.5% effective field goal percentage on those shots, 27th in the league. But after the All-Star break, everything changed again. On open shots, the Magic bumped up to 52.5% effective field goal percentage, 7th in the league. On 19.8 such field goal attempts per game. Still 20th in the league, still near the bottom. But essentially, the big change for the Magic was, yes, they played at a faster pace. Yes, they seemed to get more quality shots and have a little bit more rhythm and tempo to their offense. But at the end of the day, the Magic made shots. Terrence Ross, shooting 35.7% on three-pointers for the season, hit 50.6% of his threes in the 10 games after the All-Star break. Known for shooting closely guarded shots, Ross... Was at 58.1% effective field goal percentage and 44.4 on on very tight shots with the closest defender zero to two feet away, and 44.4% effective field goal percentage on 5.3 attempts per game on tight shots where the closest defender is two to four feet away. Since the All Star break, and this number is incredible, on sh- shots where the defense is zero to two feet away, he shot a 110.0% effective field goal percentage, and when the defense was two to four feet away. effective field goal percentage. So again, Ross started making shots. He is a contested shot maker. He started making those contested shots that made him a fan favorite last year and propelled him and the team to a higher level. Michael Carter-Williams made 36.4% of his three-pointers after the All-Star break, after shooting 29.4% for the entire season. Evan Fournier stayed on his consistent clip, making 39.6% of his 3 point attempts after the All-Star break, and even though Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon struggled to make three-pointers, both under 30%, their efficiency went up. Nikola Vucevic shooting 47% from the floor for the season, his worst since 2007, or two, since 2017, shot 52% after the All-Star break, bumping his scoring average up to 21.8 points per game. Aaron Gordon went from a career-worst 43.3% shooting from the floor for the entire season, to 47.7% after the All-Star break, back up to 15.4 points per game. And obviously with the assists and everything else included. Again, sometimes the answers are really simple. Where the Magic were missing quality shots that they they should trust in and they should make, after the All-Star break, they started making them and the offense suddenly looked very, very good good shot making covers up a lot of offensive problems now would this have continued will this continue when the magic get back to work probably not this that kind of offense even for a a fairly healthy 10 game sample size with an easy schedule coming up had a shelf life and Steve Clifford had expressed some concern over the team's defense um, in previous outings although Orlando had a very good defensive outing against Minnesota and against Houston and a solid second half at least defensively against Memphis before the season went on hiatus. Magic's defense was definitely a little creaky and a little shaky which, which is troubling for a team of this caliber. But at the end of the day it was about shot making. So what does this mean for the future? As, most, as I have said I know I have said this and as most people would probably agree the Magic have to put a special focus on shooting. That has to be where everything starts for this team. That has to be where every acquisition moving forward has to have some type of shooting focus. They need more three-point shooting. They need more quality three-point shooting so that defenses can respect them a little bit more and they can make make teams pay when they are left open, which they have not been doing this year. It's not that the Magic have necessarily bad shooters. They have inconsistent shooters. They have shooters that defenses don't respect. And that's going to be part of what the Magic have to do and how the Magic have to build moving forward. It is tough to imagine moving a few years down the road, as things currently stand, it is tough to imagine the Magic being able to successfully run a lineup out with Markel Fultz, Aaron Gordon, and Jonathan Isaac. Three, position, three players on the floor who are not knockdown shooters. They, maybe they can still develop into them, but right now they are not. Because at the end of the day, all the pace stuff is nice. The, the high scoring games are nice, but at the end of the day, this is about making shots. The Magic's offensive surge... A lot of reasons came into it, but at the end of the day, guys started making shots. So maybe the brash of injuries, maybe a lot of things led to the Magic struggling to get to that point. But then again, maybe it bears continued repeating. It is about making shots. And that's exactly what the magic have to do and have to focus on as they get back to work and as they move forward. Like I said, this argument isn't difficult. Most of you probably agree. Most of you probably say, well, duh, and I just gave you the numbers to back up what we all already believe. But I'm just going to say the obvious just to get it out of the way the magic need to make shots to succeed.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up
1: Well, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Search TuneIn, tune in him while play Spotify and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at MB, and, and, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Of course, uh, for the latest uh, around the league, you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. But until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Phil Crossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.
0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.